Monday night football in the books, and the Kansas City Chiefs improved to 4-0, hold the best record in the NFL, the only undefeated team in the NFL. So a lot of good things to talk about here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. And look, the score was 29-20, but we all know it was a hell of a lot closer than the score indicates. Of course, that fumble on the lateral late in the game, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all of that later on. But man, I mean, this is what you like in primetime football. Sure, Chiefs fans were pacing around, I mean, an emo- roller coaster of emotions in this game, but this is what football is all about, especially when you're on the spotlight, primetime football. And at the end of the day, you just have this sigh of relief. As Chiefs fans, we've been fortunate to be on the winning end of a lot of these big, crazy, down-to-the-wire games. So enjoy it while it lasts because, man, I I know people are talking about how different it is for the Chiefs in the regular season and in the postseason, but, man, I I just know it's got to be snapped at some point. And I think when you see moments like this, it gives you confidence. Lots to talk about here. Farzee Vasugin here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. A lot to get into, so very little time to waste. And, of course, it's going to be a bit of a shorter week coming out one day later because the game was on Monday Night Football. So we'll have podcasts on back-to-back days. Of course, here Wednesday, we have the recap podcast. And then immediately on Thursday, we will have the preview edition in which the Chiefs are going to be playing on Sunday Night Football in which they will be visiting the Houston Texans. And because that is going to be a late Sunday game and I'll be at work on uh, Monday, early Monday morning, that podcast will come out Tuesday morning uh, at the latest. So be sure you guys do check it out when it comes out on Tuesday and then next Thursday when the Chiefs and the Steelers play. We'll have our preview podcast. And uh, not 100% yet, but I'm sure, I'm pretty certain that we'll have Max Shepman on, a very common guest here on the podcast. Always love having him on. Uh, a good friend of mine, so we'll definitely have him on the podcast for sure to preview the game between the Chiefs and the Steelers. So that's what's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks between for the Chiefs on podcast between here and the end of next week. You guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vasugian. You can send me a tweet. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. I promise I'm going to read some of your Facebook posts. I wrote a post simply asking you guys, what are your thoughts on Kansas City's 4-0 start, everything that's been going on? A lot of you guys had a lot to say. I promise I would read all those comments on this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be talking about all of that in just a moment. We'll, of course, recap the game between the Chiefs and the Redskins, the big win on Monday Night Football. And I've been reading a lot of Kareem Hunt stats, and Kareem Hunt had a great game. Not necessarily his most defining game that he's had in his young, illustrious career so far, but another good game. But there's another guy who deserves the glory and who deserves to have some stats read. And I think a lot of you guys are going to be blown away uh, with with some of the statistics I'm going to read for this guy. And I'll tell you who that is and the numbers that this player has been putting up this year compared to previous years. That's Alex Smith. And trust me, you're going to want to hear these numbers because these are staggering numbers. A lot better than what he's been able to put up with for the Chiefs the past couple of years. I want to take a moment and look at some of the posts from the Facebook page that you guys commented on. Facebook.com slash Farzu Vasugi. And I said, hey, look, the Chiefs are 4-0, only undefeated team in the NFL. What are your thoughts from the first four games? And I said I'd read them on the podcast. So let's go ahead and start with it. Chris was the first one to comment and said, it's great to be 4-0, but can we win in the playoffs where it really matters the most? Katie said, as long as we stay healthy, we will go a long ways. Do I think we will go undefeated all year? No, but we will make the playoffs as AFC West champs. We had three tough teams and two more coming within the next few weeks. We just need to keep on going. An offensive line needs to stay strong. Last night, Alex Smith had too many close calls. Ryan said, Kelsey said it best during the postgame interview with the ESPN crew. 4-0 doesn't mean anything. A short week going on the road to face a tough defense in the Houston Texans. And that's where they need to keep their focus. Chris says the Chiefs are the equivalent to turning up the radio so you can't hear your engine problems. 
And then in parentheses, he says injuries. Go quite the comparison there, Chris. Uh, Brandon said teams are beginning to settle and hit their stride. We are going to tell a lot about this team in the coming weeks. Just look at the next five weeks. Texans, Steelers, Raiders without Derek Carr. And I'll get into that later as well. Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. And I mentioned this schedule set last week, which uh, and Brandon's kind of touching on it too. And the capital letters, he writes, brutal. So many teams start off hot just to sizzle, sizzle out. We're solid, but we will be truly tested in these upcoming weeks. I hope I'm pronouncing uh, this person's name correctly, but I think Ina or Ina wrote, We have one of the toughest schedules. We have one, but not consistently dominated. I enjoy each win and know that we are in, in the game. Couple more comments here. Mike Rowe, what is up with Peters? Why does he always play seven to ten yards off the line and still get burned? That will, and we'll get into that later. Marcus Peters has been ca- catching a lot of flack for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there were at least three different things that just went wrong for Mar. Well, four things that went wrong for Marcus Peters Monday night. Uh, just not a good night for Marcus Peters. Uh, I think this is one of those days that he just wants to put behind him, and we'll get into why and. Uh, in the podcast later on. Uh, Josh says they'll blow it in the playoffs. And then the final comment, Jacob wrote the next five, to six games. You will tell, excuse me, the next five to six games will tell you a lot about this year's team, but we've taken care of business so far. We've won against the defending champions and a great Eagles and Redskins team. Hopefully we can keep it up. This to me, when you look at, the reaction. I think Chiefs fans are very happy. This does remind me of 2013 a little bit where you saw the defense do a lot of the work when the Chiefs had that undefeated start. They won their first nine games of the season. And then comparing that to this year's Chiefs team, 2013 to this year's Chiefs team, this is actually a far more balanced team. The defense is still a bend no don't break defense similar to last year, even without Eric Berry in the season, pretty much. I mean, I was going to say throughout the season, but it was just the first game. This has been a Chiefs defense that, really, they're still the same Chiefs defense that we've come to know and love the past few years. Now, occasionally, this defense will be one of the best in sacks and turnovers. That was the case with them in 2013 and 2016. But in 2014, 2015... And this year, the Chiefs haven't been very good in those categories. But still, the defense has done a good job of not allowing teams to score big points. Sure, I mean, you didn't get a sack on Kirk Cousins, but this is still a defense that put a lot of pressure on Cousins. Those are things that don't come up on the stats books unless you have those premium statistics, such as pro football focus. And a couple of you guys took note that the Chiefs have a very difficult schedule coming up. And listen, are they going to go undefeated in these next four to five games? I mean, you've got a lot of tough competition in the next four to six weeks. Probably not. I mean, you've got some tough, tough teams coming. Even though the Cowboys, they haven't looked like themselves this year compared to last year. You can never doubt a team like that, especially what they just accomplished recently last season. And knowing what they have in guys like Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and maybe they can come through at any time. And let's not forget with this Kansas City defense, that rush defense, I think the Cowboys, and this is obviously early analysis here, the Cowboys could be a team that really exploits Kansas City's weakness and could find a way to get a win out of that. So, again, very early talk. Maybe a lot can happen from now until that game. But the point is, yes, the Chiefs do have a lot of tough opponents coming up. This is a difficult schedule. But look who you've defeated so far. You beat the Patriots on their own home turf on their banner night to open up the NFL season. You shut out the Patriots 21-0 at Gillette Stadium in the fourth quarter. You held off an Eagles team at Arrowhead. The Chargers, you took care of business. You shut them down completely in the second half against the Redskins. The Chiefs overcame a 10-0 deficit to come back and win this game 29-20. Washington only scored 10 more points the rest of the way after that hot start in the first quarter. The Chiefs quietly came back up, started to dominate the game, and from that point on, the Redskins had no answer for Kansas City and everything that it had to offer on the field. 
So this is a Chiefs team. They're not just winning games. I mean, they've been winning against some really good football teams. I know the Patriots. I mean, look, what's going on with New England? I don't know. Uh, That's also a subject I'm going to touch on soon. But you can't ever look at this team and just doubt what you have. People always talk about close calls. Well, look, uh, listen, there are a lot of close games in which... The Chiefs could have lost. There are also a lot of close games that the Chiefs could have won. Fortunately, the Chiefs are more on the end of, hey, look, we won ugly. And wins are never easy in in the NFL. They're really not. And look, from 2007 to 2012, I know I bring that time frame up quite a lot, but I want to remind fans just how much the Chiefs lost during those those years. I know it's not a fun reminder, but it's a reminder that look, sure, that things are not looking great in their victories the past couple of years, the way that they are winning their games, but that is the style and the characteristic of an Andy Reid football team. It's not great. It's not going to look pretty. You're not going to win games 49 to nothing, even against some of the worst teams. But what's going to happen is even when it looks like you've got your back up against the wall, You'll find a way to come through, find a crack on that oppo- on your opponents, and come away with a win. This is what the Chiefs have been doing under Andy Reid, especially last year and so far this year. You have to overcome a 10-0 deficit against New England on the road on that banner night. Such a hostile environment to go into and just try to pick up a win there on the road. So Kansas City, they're not just winning football games. They're playing some of the best teams in the NFL this year. And they're putting up some good numbers against these teams. Speaking of numbers, Travis Kelsey, he had some good numbers to put up in this game. Especially doing it on Monday Night Football. Seven catches for 111 yards. Got the only touchdown reception for the Chiefs in this game. Was targeted eight times. Uh, could not connect just once. So overall, anytime the Chiefs uh, want to get the ball to Travis Kelsey, they always do a good job of that. And and people are complaining. You know, where was Tyree Kill in this game? He didn't do a whole lot. Five catches, 35 yards. Yeah, kind of a silent game for Tyree Kill. But let's not forget, Tyree Kill had a big game in week one against the Patriots. In week two, it was Travis Kelsey with the big game. In week three, it was Tyree Kill who of course had the first touchdown of the game coming off that early interception, that turnover from Phillip Rivers. And now in this game, you got Travis Kelsey going to the end zone and having a monster game on the stat sheet. Listen, ideally, sure, we would love to see Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill both have five, six, seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown while Kareem Hunt also gets 100 yards and a touchdown in this game, but that's not realistic. That's not going to happen every single time. Kareem Hunt didn't score in this football game. Tyree Kill didn't score in this football game. Didn't have a lot of yards at all. As a matter of fact, he muffed a, a, a punt in this game and almost gave Washington the football back. So this is not, by all means, it, 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 there's no reason to panic because one playmaker didn't show up. At the end of the day for Kansas City, and again, again, a lot of credit goes to Kareem Hunt because he helped open up this offense and just give them another big playmaker. There are guys who can show up on different days for this football team. Maybe Travis Kelsey has a big game against the Houston Texans and Tyreek Hill doesn't. But against the Steelers in two weeks, or less than two weeks rather, maybe it's Tyreek Hill who just goes off and Travis Kelsey has a quiet game. Now occasionally you may have one of those games where they both go for 100 yards and Kareem Hunt also has 100 yards. So that's certainly a possibility. A very rare one. It's difficult nowadays in the NFL to be able to distribute the football a lot and have everyone jump in and have big stats on the sheet. It's just not realistic. So as long as you have someone that's contributing, at least two of the three guys, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, and for the most part, in fact, actually every single time, I, I take that back, every single time this year, two of those three guys have had big games. Kareem Hunt's been big in every game so far this year, and as far as the passing department goes, or the catching department, 
It's either Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill with the big game. So as long as you have one of those two guys that are big impact players, in in addition to Kareem Hunt doing his thing, you're going to win a lot of football games. And I'll tell you what else you can do when it comes to winning football games. Alex Smith. Give it up to this guy. I know I've been very critical of Alex Smith this year. A lot of you guys as well. A lot of people have doubted Alex Smith this year. But man, I've got some numbers to read to you guys. And I think you're going to be blown away by this. I'm not going to read every single statistic on this. Because then it just becomes too boring. And it's just too many numbers. And maybe even hard to keep up. So instead what I did is I posted this list on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash Farzine And Twitter.com slash Farzine21. When you look at Alex Smith's stat line in the first four games of this season and compare it to the first four games in the other four seasons that he's been with the Chiefs since 2013, this is the best Alex Smith has looked statistically. Now, again, I know stats, they don't always tell a story, and sometimes stats can lie. That I'll agree with. But when you look at these numbers here, these are very telling numbers. These these aren't numbers that you can just put out there and say, well, are these a fair representation? I mean, these are very, very crazy numbers. And I'll, I'm also going to include the record in these two. Now, also, I, I, I said I would not read every single stat line. I will read the record, the Chiefs record, through their first four games each year. 2013, 4-0. We know that. 2014, 2-2. 2015, 1-3. That was the 1-5 start, in fact. 2016, it was 2-2. Two two. This year, 4-0. So twice, Alex Smith has gotten off to a 4-0 start in the first four games while being the quarterback of the Chiefs. Now, some of the numbers that I have to read here, let's just start, start with this one. Touchdowns. He's got eight touchdowns in the first four games this year. He's never had eight touchdowns in four games before with the Chiefs. He's had seven a couple of times, but never eight. Interceptions, zero. Zilch. Nada. When you compare it to other seasons in the first four years, he's had either two or three interceptions through the first four games, all from 2013 through 2016. He's got zero this year. We always talk about the turnover battle and how that is the biggest deciding factor in a football game. Oh, and by the way, Kansas City has only one turnover this year on offense. Do you guys remember that one? It was the very first offensive play of the season. That was when Kareem Hunt started his NFL career off fumbling the football to the Patriots. And and I was watching that ESPN feature before the game, and, and they talked about that quite a bit. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Look, what's so incredible about Kareem Hunt's monster start to his NFL career is the fact that he fumbled on his first carry on the first play of the of the season for the Chiefs could that even be maybe people are looking at that and trying to forget that but I actually think that's a defining moment for him because maybe that was a wake-up call hey look Just because you're a rookie doesn't mean you get a free pass here. You are the starter. You are named the starter of this football team. You were drafted for a reason, and you've got to step it up. So perhaps maybe fumbling the football on the very first play of the season was the best thing that could have happened to him and the Chiefs this year. Because the Chiefs haven't committed a turnover since then. Now, of course, that's going to change at some point. I remember Alex Smith was just a couple of passes away from breaking Tom Brady's record for most pass attempts without an interception. And I believe that was in 2015. So I, I it may come back again in which Alex Smith, he, he may have some consecutive passes in which he could chase Tom Brady again. I'll read some of the numbers in just a moment, but no interceptions this year. Now, passing yards, 1,607 yards. That's not the best, not even the second best. The best he's had in a first four-game span was in 2015. Now, the rest of the numbers, completion percentage, 76%. The others don't even come close. He had 65% in 2014 and 2016. That's the second best he had in his first four games. He has 76% completion percentage. Quarterback rating, boy, this one's off the chart. 124.2 
quarterback rating. That is the best in the NFL right now. The second best, by the way, in his first four-game span was in 2014 when he he had a 101.2. And again, you look at the record here, 4-0, and 2-2, 1-3, 2-2, and now 4-0 again with the Chiefs. And you look at when the Chiefs were the last team standing in 2003, 2010, 2013, and in 2017 now. What is the biggest difference in the Chiefs? Well, 2013, I mean, it was just the offense that did all the work. The defense wasn't necessarily great. Sure, they got a lot of takeaways, but they also allowed a lot of yards and a lot of points. And of course, we can't forget special teams too. Dante Hall came through in the clutch a lot for the Chiefs that year. 2010, well, it was a 3-0 start. Plus, you had the bye week in week four. And during the bye week, the three or four other teams that were unbeaten all fell. And that allowed Kansas City to be the only unbeaten team. And I thought that was a fairly balanced team offensively, defensively, and on special teams. But it wasn't anything great either. Keep in mind, that was a team that had a 10-6 record to win the AFC West. 2013... The offense wasn't great. There's no secret about that. They were serv- they were they were above average. But the defense was just lights out. Not allowing yards, not allowing teams to score, coming up with all these sacks and takeaways. And the magical part about it is the Chiefs went from being the worst team in the NFL to being the last team to lose a game just a, less than a year later. 2017. What makes this so special now? This might be the best quarterback play the Chiefs have had during these four seasons where the Chiefs became, they were known as the last team standing. Alex Smith is putting up great numbers for the Chiefs. Eight touchdowns, no picks, more than 1,000 yards, completing 76% of his passes and a 124.2 rating. No one else has a 124.2 rating right now in the league. There are two other QBs who don't have touchdown, or excuse me, who haven't thrown interceptions. The other two are Drew Brees and Tom Brady. So when you look at the numbers that Alex Smith is putting up this year, and again, I know defensively, not very good compared to the other defenses during the years that the Chiefs had these last team standing type of starts. But at the end of the day, this is still the same defense last year that won you 12 games. Even without Eric Berry, it's a similar defense. I think it would be a little better with him, don't get me wrong. But I think this is also a defense that they're going to battle battle it out even when things look tough, things look bad. They still come away with the result that they want. Now, special teams hasn't been very good for Kansas City this year. But it is, of course, worth noting with Cairo Santos being waived and being injured and the Chiefs acquiring someone from another team's practice squad, Harrison Butker from the Carolina Panthers. And Butker is the guy who, keep this in mind, his position is a kicker. And the Chiefs acquired him. And because they acquired him, first of all, on a practice squad, you have to keep him on your active roster for at least three weeks. And because you're acquiring someone else from another practice squad, you have to cut someone else on your own team. And if I'm not mistaken, that that player cannot go to the practice squad. So the the unfortunate casualty was Cairo Santos. But hey, so far, not a bad start from Harrison Butker. Yes, he did miss that field goal, but kind of similar to when Kareem Hunt fumbled on his very first play in his NFL career. Butker bounced back. He kicked another field goal, made that one, and then connected on the game-winning field goal to help the Chiefs take the lead with four seconds to go. That, of course, was the 43-yarder to win the game was 3 of 4 in the game field for field goals and came away with that big one there. So he is responsible for for 11 of the 29 points that Kansas City had. So not a bad debut for Harrison Butker. This Chiefs football team, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, with the way Alex Smith is playing, the offensive playmakers you have, and just how much Kareem Hunt has opened up the, the offense, 
allowing Alex Smith to really expand. You, you can hand the ball off more often. You can go to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And when you come away with these unique plays where the Chiefs are trying to trying to throw off the defense by using Tyree Kill as a decoy. And Albert Wilson, man, I know he ran into a defender on one of the plays where, you know, Tark Kendrick West, if I'm not mistaken, was trying to block someone and he just ran into the block, essentially. Uh, even he's still come away. I think he's having his best season in terms of just his contribution on the field and helping the Chiefs try to move the chains and try to move the football, try to... Try to get closer to the end zone. He's been able to do that for Kansas City this year. And I'll even throw Chuck Hendrick West in here. Of course, he had that touchdown in week one to seal the deal against the Patriots. In this game, he came away with five catches for 33 yards. So he had a very active game for the Chiefs. Probably his most active game this season. And you know Kareem Hunt's going to need a bit of a breather. He can't do it all on his own. So you've got to have someone else coming out of the backfield making plays for the Chiefs on offense. And I'll just say this right now, Chris Conley had two catches for 31 yards. Chris Conley has not had a very good season for Kansas City. He just hasn't. I mean, that's just the way to put it. You look at his numbers right now, eight eight receptions for 129 yards. Those aren't staggering numbers. But, there's always a but to everything. Chris Conley has been very big for the Chiefs in the fourth quarter this year. He came away with a really big reception for the Chiefs in week one. To help them extend the drive against the New England Patriots and eventually come away with a score. Against the Eagles, did something very similar. Got a first down on in the fourth quarter and did the exact same thing in this game against the Redskins, trying to keep a drive alive and allowing the Chiefs to keep moving and eventually score. So Chris Conley's contributions on the stat sheet doesn't necessarily show up as Someone who's making plays and helping the team find ways to win. But if you're watching the games, you know he's coming away with a big catch in the fourth quarter. It may just be one big catch, but that one big catch can go a long way. And and had he not been able to do these big catches that he's had in the fourth quarter for the Chiefs a couple of times this year, maybe the Chiefs aren't undefeated. And maybe they lose a couple of games. And again, I think the theme of this podcast is, sure, maybe... What you see on the stat sheet, it doesn't always tell the truth. Chris Conley's eight catches, well, there's a lot more to go than eight catches in four games. This is a guy who's came away with some big receptions in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs needed the most. So you've got so many guys on offense that are able to make plays when they need to. Defenses are so focused on Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, guys who should be pro bowlers and all pro players this year that they forget about Charkandra Quest. They forget about Chris Conley. They forget about Albert Wilson. These are other guys who are also making plays for you. And you look at the defensive side of the football. Not a big fan of how much Justin Houston has been used as a, as a guy in coverage. But when he is out there putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, they don't like it. You don't have to have a sack to have a good game as a pass rusher. And Justin Houston has done a phenomenal job this season also against the run too. Kansas City collectively as a team hasn't been good against the run, but Justin Houston's been making some plays to try to silence some defenders. I know Kansas City's defense, uh, the tackling was just flat out brutal. Reminded me of the Greg Robinson days. Uh, or, or when Tiki Barber went up against the Chiefs in 2005. Uh, just the way that Kansas City looked, uh, t- trying to stop the run, trying to stop that rushing attack that Perrine and Thompson had to offer, and Kelly as well. Eventually, the Chiefs figured it out. Justin Houston came away with a big stop at one point. Derek Johnson also had a big stop, trying to slow down this Redskins rushing attack. But as far as everything that the Chiefs have accomplished in this game, they still come together, they still battle it out, grind it out, fight through, through thick and thin, and they find a way to win at the end of the day. That's what matters in football. And people want to talk about ugly wins and how it could come back to haunt us. That's a fair point. I'm not shying from that at all. Let's not forget, the Chiefs won some crazy games against the Broncos, against the the Falcons, the Panthers last year. They had some really crazy wins that, listen, maybe they should have not won those games at all. 
And when you look at the playoff game they had against the Steelers, the Steelers won by just kicking all field goals. They pretty much did what Kansas City's done. Came away with some weird ways to win football games. But a win is a win and you're just going to take it in advance. Sure, the Steelers, that looked very ugly picking up six field goals to win. But a win was a win, especially in January. You'll always take that. You you would win, you advance, you survive. Now, right now, there's no surviving. You, I mean, you, you are playing 16 games. You are one-fourth into your season. 25% of the season is complete. And the Chiefs have won 25% of their game so far. Well, I should say 100%. Because it's 4 or 4. But 25% into the season, this is your football team. The only unbeaten team in football. No, it's not pretty. No, it's not always perfect. It's ugly quite a bit. But at the end of the day, they do find a way to get the job done. And that is what you've got to credit Andy Reid for. Yeah, sure, you can question his clock management skills and what he's done. By the way, Bleacher Report has this funny... Uh, video comic that they do of, of these NFL players, and they took a shot at Andy Reid, and uh, basically, you know, Alex Smith being a game manager, and, and he's excited to be at the carnival, and Andy Reid meaning to take a timeout while playing a game. It was comical. It, it, like you could at least just sit back and at least take the joke because your football team's undefeated. You've got the best record in the NFL, and then you've got this kicker who was on a practice on a team's practice squad, which, by the way. I do want to say this, the Panthers had him on the active 53-man roster in week one, so perhaps the Carolina Panthers knew what they were doing with him. They knew they had a special player in Harrison Butker, but when he becomes available and when the Chiefs need a kicker, he he accepted the opportunity and came to Kansas City and on his very first game, got the game-winning field goal to win the football game, and of course the Chiefs came away with that fumble recovery off the lateral, and added to their already lead, making it even bigger. So Kansas City, everything the Chiefs have done through four games, not perfect, but that's okay. And you know what? The past two podcasts, uh, the preview podcast, I've been asking for the Chiefs to be consistent for four quarters. They just haven't been able to do that. And I, I think this game has helped me learn that this is the Chiefs team that we have got to accept at this point. Does it give you a heart attack? Does it make you pace around in your living room in front of your TV and make you almost want to punch your TV? Please don't do that, by the way. TVs are expensive. Enjoy what you have. You know, I know I know some of you guys have man caves. I got mine, of course. Uh, everyone's got this nice setup. So never do, do that. Uh, there are all, all these funny YouTube videos of people losing it and throwing things and breaking their TVs. But nonetheless... You have the best record in the league, and it's not always perfect, but you get the job done. Isn't, at the end of the day, isn't it just about wins and losses? Sure, all the, all the statistics I read to you about Alex Smith, eight touchdowns, no picks, Kareem Hunt leading the league with more than 500 rushing yards in second place, not even being close, they, they, they certainly matter, but the record is what matters the most. And as of now, the Chiefs are 4-0 and have the best record in the NFL. Now, one player I did not talk about that we've got to spend a, a moment on. And before I do that, because what I'm about to say does tie into a certain Chiefs player, but um, we, we, of course, suffered a, a horrific tragedy in, in Las Vegas at uh, just outside of Mandalay Bay. Uh, look, I, I mentioned on the podcast a couple. Uh, I've been been to Vegas a couple times. I think in the past year I've been there four times. I, I love the city. I, I really do. Uh, it's like a second home to me. It's a second home to my family. Uh, I, I love the city. I, I love Las Vegas. I really do. And especially being a big MMA fan, the past year and a half, it, it just means more to me uh, being in Vegas. But uh, that that was just heartbreaking to really uh, to really hear about, and I don't want to get political. I know people are talking about silencers and, and the and the price of guns going up and whatnot. I I'll, I'll just say this, and I'll leave the polit- political statement here. Uh, look, the the conversation has to start now. I don't have a solution. I don't know who does. Uh, no one does, but something's got to be done. They've got to do something to make progress in this and try to reduce things like this. The guy had tons of. 
uh, semi-automatics that were legal in his hotel room. Uh, it, just, just devastating. Um, and it was nice to see the the pregame right before the national anthem. The Chiefs, of course, having the moment of silence and just honoring um, the victims and their families. Uh, uh, j- j- just heartbreaking. Just devastating. I mean, when you go to Vegas, you're going there to have fun. People were at a concert, and uh, it, it, it's just tough. I mean, I, I read about Lawrence, Kansas uh, over the weekend, and Jimmy Kimmel said it best when he said that it didn't even make a blip of news because uh, a shooting in which five people were shot, three of them dead, which happened in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, and again, I know there are a lot of people who went to KU who are listening to this podcast. Uh, I, I went to KU. I, I loved my time there. Uh, love Lawrence, Kansas. I love visiting a couple times a year, which I, which my brother and I go and do. And um, that was just hard to read. It was. I even read a story about a girl who avoided Westport because of the shootings there to go to Lawrence, and she ended up being part of this. Uh, it's devastating. It really is. And then you have events with what happened in Vegas. So the, the weekend was kind of hard for me personally because some of my favorite cities, Lawrence, Kansas, Las Vegas, have gone through these things. Uh, but Marcus Peters, uh, I, I understand the protests and everything that's been going on politically lately with the NFL versus Donald Trump and and all this BS that really we don't even need in sports. But I understand the protests. And look, ha- had this happened on a Tuesday, would people say anything if someone protested on a Thursday night football game? Probably not. But given that this was just less than 24 hours ago. Could you have set the protest aside for one game and and uh, stand up and just just honor the country and come together? I'm not saying Peters is not honoring the country or that he hates the country. I'm not saying that at all. Please don't get it twisted. And by the way, props to Charkandrick West. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Peters was sitting. And Charkandrick West, he actually went in front of Peters and anytime the cameraman wanted to move around, West also moved around, shielding people. He's just defending his brother, his teammate, his 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 buddy. So I, I no, nothing to blame on West. I mean, th- these guys are trying to stand up for the other when they're taking all this criticism. But things started to get bad for Marcus Peters in this game. Of course, he allowed the big catch. Uh, the first touchdown of the game. And by the way, that was not a push-off at all. That was just a great play that Marcus Peters got beat. He allowed another touchdown in this game. And ESPN caught him mouthing off to a fan in which he clearly said, F you, and then the five-letter B word. Now, I'll say this, too. The cameras, 99% of the time, they're on players and coaches. They they don't show the fans. Now, what could Marcus Peters have been retaliating to? Did someone say, F you, you suck? Possibly. Could someone have said a racial slur to him? Possibly. Could someone have flipped him off? I'm not going to count out those possibilities. Because those certainly could have been reasons why Marcus Peters responded. At the end of the day, I don't think that was a valid reason for him to do so. You can easily ignore that. Just take your millions of dollars. Take your job. The job you have compared to what other people have. And just laugh it off. Now again, things continue to just kind of go south. I mean, the the National Anthem, what he did sitting just right after the uh, Vegas shooting. Uh, the, the really bad play, allowing two touchdowns. Uh, and then in his post-game interview in the locker room, very interesting. Uh, he's, he talked about the fumble in the, in the end and how he, he helped cause that. And uh, he said, quote, my game went from hella week to week. And that he will get his uh, act together next week. He actually used a different word. And then he was asked about the, uh, the interaction with a fan. Here's the audio with all of what I just said right here after the game. 
That made my game go from hella weak to weak. You feel me? So I ain't, I ain't hella weak. I'm just weak this week. Uh, next week I'll get back on my shit. Though. So, uh, yeah. What happened on the sideline? Like maybe in the crowd, maybe you were talking Oh, you know what happened? I'm finna go get a lot of Thanks, guys. And here's someone from the Chiefs PR staff just say thanks, guys. I mean, I mean, he can't do anything at that point. Uh, Marcus Peters, if you guys can hear the audio, he, uh, someone did ask him what was the interaction with the fan about. He goes, oh, you know what happened? And then he says, I'm finny going to go get loaded. I have no idea what that means. I, I don't know what message he tried to send by by saying, oh, you know what happened? And then he just makes that weird comment and walks off. Um, Monday night just wasn't a good night for Marcus Peters. Just on the field and, I guess, from a PR standpoint. I, I don't know. I, look, if he wants to protest, he has that right. Sure. But I just think in certain situations, there are always, I mean, let's just say you're having a bad day. You might be the jovial one, the jokester uh, among your family members. But if you hear the news of a family member passing away, I, I mean, do you do you crack a joke then? Is that a time to... To be a, a family comedian? No. Same thing with Marcus Peters in this situation here. The Vegas shootings occurred. Could you have set that aside for one game and, and uh, stood for the national anthem? When Jovan Belcher, when he killed his girlfriend and committed suicide at the Chiefs practice facility, the guys from Save Our Chiefs, Marty McDonald uh, and his crew... Uh, of, of course, they tried to make a change and wanted to give a voice for Chiefs fans. They were the ones who were flying banners before every game. They announced that they were not going to do it given the tragedy and the magnitude of what just happened. And you've got to respect that because there are moments where you, there are just certain things that you do not do. You go off the script for just a moment and say, okay, look, this just happened. Let's, let's, let's. Put things into perspective and understand our priorities. And let's just respect the situation for a moment here. And Marcus Peters didn't do that. This is pretty disappointing. My brother's a huge Marcus Peters fan. He's he actually has his jersey and and hasn't worn it lately. People are criticizing Marcus. I've seen tweets of people asking if Marcus Peters knows what he's protesting even. And, and again, I, I've talked about this before. I don't want to get into that a whole lot. We, we've talked about it enough. Maybe we'll bring it up again. And I'll always give a heads up in case you guys want to skip ahead or or not listen to that segment of the show. But I, I just I just don't know what Marcus Peters tried to accomplish Monday night. You, you, you're protesting. You're sitting right after a horrific tragedy, the worst uh, mass shooting in, in U.S. history. You just have a bad game, which, look, everyone has a bad game. Everyone's entitled to have a bad game. Tom Brady had a horrible game against the Chiefs, not once, but twice in his career. So everyone's entitled to to slip once in a while, even the best ones. But, you know, dropping, you know, the FU to a fan, uh, your your behavior in, in your post-game interview, what do, you, what do you even make of all this? I asked this, at the time I'm recording this, at the time I am recording this podcast, uh, I asked a question just about, just right before I started recording this, so about 45 minutes ago, I asked people what they thought about Marcus Peters, given the the, the national anthem criticism, the, the interaction with the fan, and his post-game comments, and the bad performance, and there are a lot of negative comments, and I'm going to say this now. People keep telling me, hey, avoid the subject of the National Anthem protests and all. Anytime I bring that topic up, it's always the most discussed subject on the Facebook page. And this Marcus Peters topic, this has gotten more comments in less than an hour than the one I had earlier today asking people what their thoughts were on the 4-0 start. So people always like to put blame on the media and talk about how they're trying to angle things a certain way. I mean, look, guys, look at the comment section. No one's forcing anyone to to comment on a certain subject if they don't want to. But people have stuff to say 
about Marcus Peters and just the way he's been acting from from the very beginning before kickoff with the national anthem all the way to his post game interviews. Uh, just Monday night wasn't a good night for Peters. I'm only seeing one person in defense of it on the page, on the Facebook page. And people are talking if this could be a, a distraction. I've, I've heard already a couple of comparisons to Larry Johnson and what he did. Larry Johnson, of course, was the most talented running back in 2005 and 2006. 1,700 yards back-to-back seasons. And with some of his off-the-field distractions, he just became a bad football player. I and mean, He just went downhill. And it, that was a very unfortunate thing to see because I've always been a big Larry Johnson fan. And seeing him go down the way he did was very tough to watch because of how much he came uh, onto the scene. You look at Marcus Peters, he's kind of got a similar story. The guy had 14 interceptions in his first two years, and that's more than a couple teams out there. Marcus Peters has played some of the best football at his position, the quarterback position. He is up there along with Chris Harris, uh, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, maybe even better than those guys. A lot of... Football preview rankings had him ranked as the number one cornerback in the NFL coming into the season. So, listen, Andy Reid gave him a chance. This is a guy who got kicked out of a college team for a reason. Andy Reid gave him an opportunity in Kansas City. In his first two years, we didn't hear anything about him. Now we're starting to see a different side of Marcus Peters and kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. Is this a guy who's going to be with the Kansas City Chiefs long term? You would love to. But at the same time, the things that he's doing, you don't want it to be a distraction either. So, this has been kind of a, kind of a crazy deal. Uh, of course, keep this in mind. Given how, how much the Chiefs are on primetime, in week three of the preseason, they were on primetime playing against the Seahawks. He was, he was seen on a treadmill, or excuse me, on a stationary bike during the anthem. In weeks one and four... Against the Patriots and the Redskins, Thursday night and Monday night, he was shown sitting. And the Chiefs have a Sunday night game coming up. They've got a Thursday night and a Monday night coming up. All within the next five weeks. Now, I know the NFL has been kind of, in all these TV networks, CBS, uh, Fox Sports, and ESPN, they kind of been going a different route with showing national anthems before games. They made an exception for Monday night because that, of course, is, is a special one. They were honoring uh, the victims of, of those who lost their lives in Las Vegas. Uh, so they were, I mean, they went off the script. They went back to the script, I, I guess, for one night because of that. They wanted to show the moment of silence. The NFL wanted that to be broadcasted. Uh, boy, I, I'm just looking at the comments for that uh, for that question I put. I mean, some of you guys are writing some harsh words. I I just ask you guys don't say anything out of line. You know, avoid the racist comments. Of uh, I, I've had to ban a couple people for that, unfortunately. For the most part, everyone's been great about it, so I do appreciate that. But man, uh, people are not holding back. Uh, they are they're letting it known. People are embarrassed. People uh, people think he was completely in the wrong, and that he's. I mean, some people have, have used some uh, some harsh language, too, uh, that I can't re- say on this podcast. So, uh, look, I hope it gets settled. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, these are all grown men. Uh, they're not in college anymore. They're not in high school. Uh, and I've always said I've been against sitting or kneeling for the anthem. I think there are completely better ways to go about these protests. But, uh, look, uh, I, it's just uh, we, we can never come to an agreement on things, it seems like, in our society nowadays. Uh, hopefully Andy Reid and the Chiefs coaching staff, I mean, they can talk to him and, and see what's going on. What can they do to try to prevent this? And hopefully he can play better. Hopefully he can have a great week of practice and come back strong Sunday night because he's going to be needed against a very good and hot Texans football team. A team that just came away with 50-plus points on the Titans. That, of course, we'll talk about more in our preview episode later this week on the Chiefs on Podcast. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Send me a tweet at Farzine21 to give my page a like. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Before we start to wrap up the podcast, Andy Reid had a really fun nickname for the new Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker. Listen to this. Buttkicker.com did a nice job. 
buttkicker.com. Buttkicker.com. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Gotta love Andy Reid. How, how are you not? The post-game celebrations, the way he just walks into the locker room and that uh, that that uh, edited video, that gif of him uh, smashing through the brick wall and the cool... Hey, you, how can you not love Andy Reid? Like, we can talk about his play clock management all, all game long and all, but gosh, man... He's really turned this football team around, and uh, it's always nice to see him jovial. He's kind of like Bill Belichick, where you see him on the sidelines, and he doesn't—he barely has any emotion. And when you see him like this, it's always fun to see. Cuddle of Andy Reid. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, some big news in the AFC West. The Broncos defeated the Raiders in this one, and it also... Well, it's just a bad game overall for the Raiders. Derek Carr suffered a spinal fracture in this game and is expected to miss two to six weeks. The Chiefs play the Raiders on Thursday Night Football in roughly uh, just a little more than two weeks. So we'll see if Derek Carr will be available for the Chiefs, or for the Raiders, excuse me, against the Chiefs in that game That, of course, is a game at home for the Raiders, a game on the road for the Chiefs. Uh, Look, this opens up things. Let's not forget. The Raiders had a better record than the Chiefs going into Week 17. And with Derek Carr injured in Week 16 on Christmas Eve, that opened up the door for the Chiefs to win the AFC West. Even though the Chiefs swept the AFC West last year and they've done it for 12 straight games, They did not have the best record going into Week 17. They needed to not only win, but they also needed help from the Denver Broncos to defeat the Oakland Raiders in order to win the AFC West. That exact thing happened, and the big reason why that happened was because Derek Carr got hurt, and he was injured in that game and couldn't play for the Raiders the following week. And now here he is again, suffering an injury, and the Raiders aren't off to the greatest start to their season. And this just gives the Chiefs a big opportunity to run away with this division. The Broncos, they fell last week to the Buffalo Bills, came away with a big win this week. And right now, you look at the AFC West, and I don't know if Denver is going to be able to hang around for a while. Great defense, but the offense is still a big question mark. At this rate, this could be Kansas City's division, and it might not be as close as we thought it was going to be. I think Kansas City, especially given the surprises we've been in for, Harrison Butker, of course, having a big game. Alex Smith having the best start that he's had with the Chiefs. And, of course, the pleasant surprise of Kareem Hunt. That's going to bode well for the Chiefs, especially if this injury, if Derek Carr is out for at least a month. The Chiefs can build a big lead in the AFC West, and that's not going to be good for the Raiders. Not one bit. I'll tell you what else is not good. The Patriots, the start that they had for the season. Gosh, two and two? They are one and three at Gillette, or excuse me, one and two at Gillette Stadium. I'll say this, and again, we can always play the what if game, but I like to play this game this time. They are one Tom Brady miracle away from being one and three. If Tom Brady doesn't come away with that touchdown pass against the Texans late in the game to Brandon Cooks, they're 1-3 to start the season and 0-3 at home. The Patriots have had three of their first four games at home and they've lost two of them. Now, I'm not saying that the season's over and that it's the end all be all for the Patriots. But look. And I know what Patriots fans are going to say. We have five rings in less than 20 years. Congrats. Where were you before that? Probably not even supporting the team. So look, props to the Patriots and all they've accomplished. But it's all about the now. And right now they're not playing good football. The defense was the number one scoring defense. Or the, they, they didn't allow... They allowed the fewest points is what I'm trying to say. They were one of the best when it came to... Allowing points, and they look awful this year. They just look terrible. And the Panthers, sure, they allowed the uh, 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, but they still came away with that game-winning field goal in the end as time expired to knock them down. 
This is just a bad start for the Patriots, man. I don't know what it's going to take to bounce back. But, man, they better figure it out quickly. Because the Buffalo Bills, they're ahead in the AFC East standings. Oh, by the way, the Jets are 2-2. Two and two, And they actually have the tiebreaker over the Patriots right now. So the Patriots are in third place in the AFC West. One-fourth, or AFC East, one-fourth into the season. I know it's early, folks. I know. But you don't play these games to go 2-2. Two and two. Everyone wants to win their games and have a 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh start. The Patriots have a lot to figure out. A lot. Especially on the defensive side of the football. Let's go out of bounds. The NBA announced that the All-Star Game is switching out of the East versus West format, and instead, two captains will select the teams without regard uh, to which conference the players belong in, and the player who wins the fan votes from each conference, they end up being the captains, and they'll end up picking the teams. So, kind of a unique, kind of similar to what the NFL does with the Pro Bowl now, uh, or at least for a while they did that uh, when it was no longer AFC versus NFC, which they did end up going back to that. But uh, this is kind of a similar style to what the NFL did. Is it going to work? I don't know. Uh, kind of unique because in a lot of other sports, such as Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, uh, their All-Star Weekend, uh, it has more meaning. Because it does have an impact on on champion, and of course the championships in those sports are much different than it is in in football. So so it's kind of interesting to see that this um, this format is what they're wanting to go with. I don't have a problem with it. Look, I don't think an all star game should truly determine uh, who gets home field advantage for a, for a championship series. I, I think that's a silly way to go about it. I I, I think it's whoever has the best record, simply. And if both teams have the same record, well, then go build a tiebreaker rule and decide it from there. Uh, I remember Eric Hosmer and Salvador Perez, they had big games in the All-Star game. And because they're from the American League, the Cubs have to suffer in which they didn't have home field advantage. And they by far had a better record than the Indians in the World Series last year. And speaking of Eric Hosmer, while we're on the baseball subject, uh, this this is a tough weekend for Kansas City Royals fans. Uh, look, we all know what the Royals were. I mean, 29 horrible years of, of baseball here in Kansas City. And what they did in, in, in late 2014, just the way they rose and clinched a playoff spot, got that crazy wildcard win, uh, that just lit the city up. It really, really did. And now you've got some free agents uh, Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakas, Alcides Escobar, and Lorenzo Cain. Those two, of course, came from a, a big Zach Greinke trade. The other two, Moose and Haas, they, they were both drafted by the team. And, oh man, they've gone through a lot together. Growing up in the, in the minor leagues and coming to Kansas City and both having a big hand in helping the Royals get to back-to-back uh, World Series. Uh, but, man, uh, you know, they say all good things must come to an end, and, and that could be the case here. Uh, you could just kind of tell with, with the players the tone that they were talking in. Uh, there was just that vibe that, hey, look, we may not be coming back. Most of us may be gone because this is a business. We are all in it for, for money, and it's understandable. Look, if I'm not mistaken, I think Eric Hosmer was making $8 million the past two years with the Royals, and... There are other first basemen who might be making more than him, and he has a case as to why he deserves more. And the same could be said about Moose when you compare him to other third basemen and their salaries. So uh, it's a tough deal, man. It really is. But at the end of the day, it's a business, and these guys all want to get paid at the end of the day. Final segment, let's throw some flags. All right, I'm going to pick on Ronda Rousey again, simply because I just like to. Uh, look, I, I just have a big issue with hypocrites, especially like Rousey, who, gosh, she makes so much money, and she got so much glory from the UFC, 
and, and, and just everything she accomplished. And then when she do, she loses and, and things don't go her way, she runs away from the media and doesn't do an interview. She goes on late night comedy shows or on talk shows and absolutely refuses to answer any questions about her fighting career. Like, are you that scared of what you've accomplished that you fell down like that? I mean, you're really that ashamed. There are so many people who who you've defeated in less than 30 seconds. And they still came back. And they came back strong. So listen. I'll just say this. I'm a little late on this, but I don't care. Ronda Rousey, I guess she's pursuing some sort of opportunity with the WWE. And uh, I saw the video of her. This is, of course, on WWE.com. So clearly it's there, there's acting in this. She has some sort of confrontation with another group of women. I have no idea who these women are. I, I, I have not watched wrestling in a long, long time. I could ask a couple of my buddies who I know are big wrestling fans. Uh, the acting was awful, which is shocking because Ronda Rousey has received some acting gigs. Uh, that was the most terrifying acting job I have ever seen in the history of acting. I mean, I remember a long time ago when Big Brother and Survivor were hot in 2000 and 2001 that contestants on those shows actually got acting gigs, and I think there was one specific contestant who was absolutely horrible in a certain movie that they actually don't allow people to get acting gigs anymore from from these. They just don't offer them. They just don't offer them as much. A couple of people here and there get them. I, I understand that. They get them from these reality TV shows, but it's not as much anymore. Uh, but gosh, man. And by the way, Rhonda is supposedly, the rumor is, she's going to fight Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania. Let's be completely honest with ourselves. I know R- Ronda's on a, on a bit of a slump, but let's just be honest. She, she hasn't been good lately. But truly, who do you think is going to win in a real fight between Stephanie McMahon, who is a businesswoman, who of course has her fights scripted in the WWE ring, versus Ronda, who has killed people in less than a minute? I'm going to put my money. Hey, l- listen, here's the thing with WWE. I get it. It's entertainment. But you've got to also make it realistic and give fans a reason to enjoy what they're seeing on there. I can't truly say... If I if I'm, if I'm was a wrestling fan and I'm being told that Stephanie McMahon and Ronda Rousey are fighting at WrestleMania, I have a hard time taking something, something like that seriously and trying to find the entertainment value in that. Now again, I don't know exactly what's going on, but from an outsider, it just looks silly. Okay, so uh, this uh, grandma, a 64-year-old grandma, Carolyn Lou Gay from West Virginia. And I'm going to read you the first two paragraphs of, uh, uh, of this article. Whoever wrote this for the Associated Press certainly had a fun time reading uh, or, or fun time writing this. Uh, basically, this grandma has been charged and is going to jail because she was trying to smuggle drugs into jail. Here's, I'll just tell you the story by reading the first two paragraphs. Authorities say West Virginia grandma has joined her grandson in jail after being accused of smuggling drugs to him behind bars. The Mountain State Fugitive Task Force said the 64-year-old uh, Carolyn Lou Gay was arrested on Wednesday on 15 charges related to drug possession and delivery. I don't ever condone Things like this. But, if you're going to do it, why are you doing it? You're essentially, like, trapping yourself. Like, you're bringing something that you shouldn't into in, into jail. <laughs> like, what was the thought process for this grandmother? And for her to bring her son drug? What is this? What's going on? And we've already got a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world, but this kind of just like it takes it to a kind of a weirder level here. You're you're taking something illegal in front of other law enforcement security agents, and you how do you not know you're going to get busted for this? I, I I'm flabbergasted. I'm speechless. I, I mean, I've been talking on the podcast for an hour, and I can't find words to describe how asinine. This grandma is. I'm sorry, but Granny, uh, you just landed yourself on the penalty flag segment here on this podcast. Speaking of the podcast, time to wrap it up. We will be back tomorrow, Thursday. 
to do a preview episode of the Chiefs and the Texans. Going from Monday night to Sunday night football, we'll preview that game. And then, of course, as always, once again, we will go around the NFL out of bounds, and I will throw my penalty flags once again. Hopefully, I don't have to put another grandma on the penalty flag seven. I never like to do those, but nonetheless, if it happens, it happens. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it on social media. Helps out the show. Let a friend know about it. Interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzinevesugian. Give it a like and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus, you guys can email me, Farzine at Farzinevesugian.com. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Texans. Sunday Night Football defending that 4-0 perfect record. The best in the NFL. Talk about that tomorrow. Take care.